0: Never, never clock, clock out. out. Clock in, never clock out. Clock in, never
1: clock out. Welcome, welcome to the Path of Revelation show. I'm your host, Gabriel Parker, and this is where the culture meets scripture. Listen, I have an amazing show today for you guys, and I've been checking the emails and, and the suggestions that you guys have been sending in, the prayer requests. I've even had a phone conversation with one or two of you guys. Excuse me, just to chop it up and and answer some questions and give insight. Listen, I told you guys, man, if you have any questions, any suggestions for future shows, email me. Just go to pathofrevelationnow.com. You can leave prayer requests and all of these wonderful things. But look, I want to take a moment to address a recent email that one of my listeners sent in, it's a young lady. And I wanna address uh, two particular questions or or suggestions that she suggested I address on the show. And and, and I love these, and and the reason why I wanna address two because I, I feel like I have a story, a story that can help her or help you if you're listening. You know who you are, I'm not gonna say your name. But I feel like this story can help a lot of people. Um, But I want to share two of the suggestions. The first suggestion was how to love family members struggling with substance abuse and deal with the trauma in those relationships. And the third point or the third suggestion was practical applications for forgiveness towards people who have brought trauma into your life particularly, particularly in situations of rape, molestation, abuse, abandonment, and neglect. And so I kind of feel like number one and two go together. And so I I wanna start off with with sharing a story with you guys about forgiveness. I wanna tell a story about forgiveness. Um, I shared the story of my father before on a previous show on how he was conceived by rape but what's unique about this story that i did not share is that my grandmother and my father's father still ended up getting married and my grandfather was very abusive he wasn't he wasn't a good father he was in and out of jail in and out of the house He was absent a lot. He would cheat on my grandmother. He was a ladies man. You know, he was known for being able to get women. You know, he just had that swag. But he was physically and verbally abusive. And my father, and my father's siblings, my aunts and uncles, would literally see my grandfather hit my grandmother with his fist. And and so my father grew up seeing his father verbally and physically abuse his mother. And abuse them at times, you know, throwing shoes at them, you know, it, it, it was just a very, very toxic atmosphere that my father grew up in. And and, and, and this atmosphere created a lot of unforgiveness, bitterness and rage in my father. Like, like once my father and, and my uncle Orlando, his younger brother got older because my brother was the oldest. Once they got older, like once they got like around the age of 17 or 18, they actually went out looking for for their father, my grandfather, to beat to beat his lights out. Like my dad said, man, they didn't know what they were going to do when they saw him. They were planning to kill him because now they were of age where they're strong enough. And they're like, man, we remember all the times that you put your hands on my mother. We remember all of the the pain that you caused her and, and, and the suffering. And, and there's a lot of things that my grandmother dealt with all the all of. All the way up until the time that she passed away as a result of what my grandfather father had put her through in their relationship. And so my father, and my, 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 my father and my uncle go, go, goes out looking for him to kill him. They're out in the streets and and, and my father tell, told the story. He was like, man, I'm I just grateful that we did not find him because if we would have found him, It would not have turned out very good. And so here's where the story gets interesting. And this is the importance of the body of Christ sharing the love of God with whether it be your family member, a friend or associate telling someone about Christ. Um, I know a lot of people say, hey, evangelism, inviting people to church isn't a form of evangelism or that's not evangelism because you're not telling somebody about Christ I, I I disagree with that I think if you are in a biblically sound church and you invite somebody out to your church where they'll hear the gospel I think that's great yeah we should be telling people about Jesus and preaching the gospel and, te- and sharing the gospel with people but there's nothing wrong with inviting people to church so my, this is where the story gets pretty cool my aunt Paulette was a believer. And she, she invited my dad, her older brother, and my mom to her church, which is the church that I've grown up in my entire life. And the Lord saved my father and saved my mother. When they, when they came to church, they heard the, heard the gospel and they experienced the love of Jesus. And, and repented and asked for forgiveness and their lives were forever changed. And so my dad was taken under the wing of Apostle Charles O'Miles at the time, who was the founding pastor of the International Gospel Center, who's now gone on home to be with the Lord. He passed back in 1997. But Apostle Miles began to disciple and mentor my dad and showed my dad what it meant to be a true man of God, showed my dad what it meant to be a man, how to, how to love his wife, how to love his children, and raise them up in the ways of the Lord. And so because of this man of God in the church, which had examples of other godly men showing my dad what it meant to be a servant of God, And and be the priest of his home I didn't have to experience what my father had experienced it stopped with him but what's interesting about this and and another side note the Lord saved my uncle Orlando changed his life he's a pastor serving God but, but the power of the gospel transformed my dad's heart and so I grew up hearing these stories about my grandfather and hearing, and, and my dad wasn't sharing these stories with me and my siblings to, out of a place of grief or, or out of a place of bitterness, I should say. Um, a lot of times my dad would share stories with us about our grandfather when we were younger, because we would see my grandmother struggling with alcoholism and she was she was a very strong but yet bitter you could tell she was bitter and she 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 was a hard woman very strong woman very loving to her family but you could tell she had a hardness about her and my dad would tell us the stories about our grandfather to to help us connect the dots with hey this is why your grandmother is like this and I would see my dad love on, my, love on his mother and show the love of Christ and, and things of that nature. But I remember one particular time my dad hunted down his father. And he found out that his father was staying at a at a particular old old people's home. And so he packed all of us in the van me my brothers and sisters and took us to see our grandfather and so i it's like i still remember excuse me i still remember seeing my grandfather for the first time or at least one of the first time and the reason why it stuck out so much to me i was a young kid i had to be man i probably wasn't even in my 10 years old yet i the reason why it stuck out to me so much was because I had heard so much about him and I had seen the effects of my mother. But what stuck out to me so much about that experience was a couple of things. And this is where forgiveness and the, one of the instances where forgiveness and the gospel of Jesus Christ really became real to me was I remember when my dad saw his dad he he got out and ran up on my my grandfather and gave him the biggest hug and my grand he 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 surprised him and my grandfather looked and was like who is this and he was like hey dad and he just loved on this this guy his father who he once went out to to beat up or kill. And he and it, and I I saw it was genuine. There was no bitterness, there was no rage or anger. I saw that Christ had removed that. And he just embraced his father and said, "Hey, I want you to meet your grandkids." And he walked my grandfather to the van, and we all just began to say hi. And the second thing that stuck out to me was the look on my grandfather's face. I saw, man, I saw regret. I saw shame. If like if his facial expression could speak without his mouth moving, it would it, it's like it would be it, it was saying, why did my son bring them here to see me? I don't deserve to see my grandkids. I don't deserve this love. I don't deserve, I don't deserve these things. And, and I saw all of those things on his face. And, and it made an impression on me. It made an impression on me. I, I knew my dad, I, I never knew my dad before Christ. I, I've, I've only heard stories. But seeing the effects on my grandmother and seeing the trauma that she had endured and the trauma that my dad had went through and now seeing what my dad was now, it made an impact on me. It made a huge impact on me. And so when it comes to forgiveness and and dealing with trauma, I think the greatest example, and I just wanted to use a real life example, because I didn't have to experience that, those things, because, you know, it stopped with my father. But I think the greatest example of this is Jesus. And I know that might sound like a cliche, but when we actually look at what Christ did for us. On the cross and what he endured yet while we were in sin he died for us the Bible lets us know I believe it's in Romans 5 maybe verse 12 it lets us know that he that knew no sin became the righteous became sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God and even when you look at Jesus He tells us to love our enemies and then he goes out leading by example. You have Jesus in the Roman hall and they're accusing him of blasphemy and they're lying on him and bringing false accusations against him. And they spit in his face, they smack him and say, if you be the son of God, free yourself, like all of these things. And he he, they they whip him with metal and sheep bones and rip flesh from his body. And now this is all before the cross, rip flesh from his bodies and, and and they place a crown of thorns on his head they gamble with his garments and they mock him and he gets on the cross and says forgive them for they know not what they do man that is that is love and and because Jesus went through that for us we can find redemption and rest in him. Sometimes we have to come to God and say, man, this is too much for me. This is too much for me. I don't, I have hatred in my heart. I have bitterness in my heart. I was done wrong. I was abused. I was misused. I was the victim. And sometimes we have to confess our faults one to another that that our brothers and sisters pray for us, that we might be healed. One thing we cannot do in this time is turn away from God. We're in an era, we're in a culture that where mental health and trauma are hot topics and everybody's painting the, a, a narrative. That hey man you need to go see it and I'm not against seeing therapist my wife is a therapist but everybody's painting a picture that that every solution exists with outside of the God of the Bible like we the Bible God. where was God at when this happened or why? Why the Bible isn't enough we've already tried that you need to go get some real help it's almost we we have we are embracing a narrative that the scriptures are not powerful enough to deal with the issues that we have in our lives we we are buying into the narrative as Christians that the scriptures cannot speak to our circumstance and our situations when in actuality a lot of times we have just bought into the voices and we're not really meditating like we should. Like like last episode, I had a conversation with Cam and he he started off the conversation by saying, Gabe, you know, I just I just started back memorizing scripture and meditating on scripture. And he said and he he began to share his testimony that as he starts as he began to start doing that, how it literally began to break strongholds in his life. See, there is a difference and listen, I I'm, I know mental health and trauma is a, is a serious topic, but I believe that the anointing destroys the yokes. I believe there's power in the name of Jesus. And I believe that there is power in meditating on God's word and cutting out distractions. But as he began to talk about how he he's began to meditate and 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 uh, meditate on the word of God, I begin to think, and and one of the things that I've realized, there is a difference between knowing scripture and meditating on scripture. See, some of us. Have been in church or been around church so much that we we know little scripture, like we know for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, we know certain scriptures when we hear them. But how often is meditating on scripture a practice in your life? Like I know for me, man, it's it's so many things that we meditate on on a regular basis. A lot of us can spend hours just scrolling on our phones, reading people's Facebook posts and uh, tweets and Instagram posts like you look up. It's been like three hours. You just been scrolling. And to be honest, a lot of people don't be talking about nothing on social media. It's just a bunch of gossip and mess. And so how can I be meditating on God's word when I'm constantly meditating on social media? Or I'm, I'm constantly meditating on televi- my favorite television shows and, and things. And, and listen, I, I'm not saying that you can't enjoy entertainment. But at some point in time, as Christians, we have to learn how to deny ourselves and give it to God. And so I've been learning, and what I've been working on is sacrificing, fasting, prayer. Jesus told the disciples about a particular demon-possessed person that this type only goeth out but by fasting and prayer. See, there are certain situations in our lives that won't change until we sacrifice. There's certain things that won't be broken until we sacrifice and deny ourselves. And truly give it to God. That's why Jesus says, take my yoke upon you. My yoke is. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. And so a lot of times we. We think that we've tried everything. When we truly haven't really emptied ourselves. And again, I'm saying all this to, to, to say, I know that the trauma and, and and things are real. I know molestation and, and things of that nature are, are real. But one of the first steps to giving something to God is recognizing and, and confessing that is too big for you. And that you give it not just that it's too big for you but God hey I give it to you God I need you to intervene God I surrender one of the scriptures that I meditate on whenever I run into an instance of forgiveness or is Ephesians four thirty-two. it says be kind to one another tender hearted forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. And so sometimes forgiveness doesn't start with it doesn't just start. And, and, and I know this isn't a popular, always a popular point of view, but sometimes forgiving others doesn't start with their offense. It starts with realizing how sinful you are. And I know that's hard. Because it it is true in a lot of it may be true. You were a victim. You were taken advantage of. But listen, just because somebody takes advantage of me and I'm a victim does not mean that. That automatically makes me innocent before a holy and a righteous God. And so we have to be aware of our own sin. We have to be aware of our wickedness. We have to be aware that we are not good in and of ourselves and that we are just as guilty as our offenders before God who is righteous and holy. But yet he forgave us and gave himself for us. And when we meditate on God's goodness in light of our wickedness and our sinful nature and how he still decided to show us mercy, it empowers us to walk in forgiveness. And this is a reality that we as believers have to constantly live in and walk in. This is one of the reasons why I'm so against all of these prosperity messages self-help messages because it it the, the the key and I've said this before the key to what's wrong in the world is not self-love the world is jacked up because men love themselves too much we don't struggle loving ourselves we struggle loving God and loving others and the key to loving God one of the keys to loving God starts with first denying yourself And turning to him, Jesus said, if any man is going to come after me, he must first deny himself. And so we forgive because we are forgiven much. My prayer is that I'm always aware of my sin. Not for the sake of me condemning myself, but for the sake of me recognizing the greatness of God, the greatness of His mercy, how He's rich in mercy, the greatness of His grace that He showed towards me. And knowing that I don't deserve any of it, we don't deserve any of it. And so that has to be the reality that we live in as believers but listen let's hop into the first or the featured song for this episode i don't know why the first song is only one featured song for this episode but the the featured song for this episode is our song vain it's from our album grace and vanity let's hop into that right now Alright, bring the strings in. Better name. Oh,
0: better name. You ready, Matt? Don't mind if I do. P.O.R. Better name. Let's get it. yeah. Hey, it feels like he's almost out of patience. It's real great shit, he treats me better than a patient. I'm a son, a king to the nation. No days off, he's working that late. shit. It's all out of love, no patience. Meaning, it, it's not about what we can do for him. You're dreaming. If you think that these can clear your sins, we're singing. Glory to the Lamb for the Lamb was slain. We're screaming. Glory to the Lamb for the Lamb was slain. The world is going the same, so in the shame living in vain. Uh, but God is just and true, and I promise you will never stop loving you. Talking about a love unconditional, never hit below the boat, ask Riddick Bowe. Cares about yourself and where it goes, trust me, this track was just credible. Imagine, being done wrong, man, you want revenge. I'm laughing, cause we would even do that, you were friends. But not him, he's different. Gives a second chance to his children. And if you wanna them, turn up and get your hands oh, to the city.
1: We don't wanna bear his name. We're so vain, Don't oh, bear that name. We don't wanna bear his name. We're so vain, oh, bear that name. We Don't, bear that, name. don't bear that name. We don't wanna bear his name. We're so vain, Don't oh, bear that
0: name. We don't wanna
1: For the God who saves from hell. His grace is amazing, it's not a fairy tale. We'll stand before Christ when breath leaves the shell. Or should I say, body, everybody wanna party? Don't repent, don't try to stop me. I'm so high, don't drop me. My pride like the horns on Rocky. Man is dead and sin, yet cocky. We're gonna raise the dead, so forget our autopsy. So we preach Christ this life him, but it's like we just wanna see him die again. My will be done, I'm a right for sin. Still, I wanna consider myself a Christian. Supposed to be a prophet, but your heart is for the prophet, Won't speak unless it's a bigger. Up deposit, living for the stock, it's all about your pockets, Better stand for Christ, I don't care who knock it, yeah. if he's saw me, who could be against me, they only living for the moment cause they empty, full of self, our hearts are sickening, but Jesus is the cure when our will is tempting, ain't living for the moment, we giving God glory cause we don't even want it, he sent me for myself, I was his opponent, and if I go back, I'm like a dog in his vomit, dog in his vomit, uh. but what does repentance really mean, yeah. can I stay in sin and still please the king of kings, even though his son. Was to destroy sin. Uh, They'll do a beam. That's the gospel message. We can't afford to be concerned with who rejected. We pray you accepted yes. in your heart, confess it yes. before your soul exit, this earth. First stops eternal. Don't bear that name. We don't wanna bear His name. We're so vain. Don't bear that name. We don't wanna bear His name. We're so vain. Don't bear that name. We don't wanna bear His name. We're so vain. Don't bear that name.
0: name, we don't wanna ban his name, this so go, bear that name, we don't wanna ban his name, this so go, bear that name, we don't wanna bear his name, this so vein.
1: Listen, I think it's so important for us as Christians to watch who we take advice from and who we listen to, um, because I think we're in such a, a culture and a society that glamorizes and idolizes celebrity so much that we assume just because a celebrity says it that it must be true, or we assume because a celebrity said it and it sounded good that it must be right. And that's not the case in a lot of instances, actually. And so this is why I I believe it's really important that we as Christians have a strong, solid biblical worldview. You know, something that I would always say when I first started this show was, it's important for us to view culture through the lens of the Bible and not view the Bible through the lens of culture. In other words we have to make sure that Christ and his word is our foundation not the opinions of the world not the opinions of ourselves but we have to make sure that we are truly submitting to what the Word of God says because it's easy for us to go with however we feel because our emotions can be strong and we can lean however our emotions go but one of the things that got me really thinking about this and which led to what I'm, b- I'm about to talk about in this particular segment is I-, I saw a post or a tweet from the the rapper community activist Nipsey Hussle. And unfortunately, as many of us know, he was just murdered um, ab- about two weeks ago, right outside of his clothing store. That he built in the neighborhood that he grew up in in Crenshaw, just murdered in cold blood, and it's very sad. It's very sad. I had actually been following Nipsey Hussle for like the last two years from a business standpoint and a cultural standpoint. Um, I had actually heard about him when I got into cryptocurrency investments, and he he was into crypto into the crypto. Uh, world very big he was a big figure in the crypto world and just a a, a a great entrepreneur all the way around and so he his story and his journey really interests me from that standpoint and and just to see the things that he was doing for his community it, it, it was a very sad um, very very sad situation and my prayers is for out for his family and his loved ones but Nipsey Hussle, on the day that he was murdered, he made a tweet. He he, he posted a tweet that said, having strong enemies is a blessing. And I saw a lot of people kind of begin to take that quote and begin to romanticize it and almost promote it and pass it off as as a good thing. Um, and, and so I began to really examine that quote and many other things that I've heard a lot of celebrities say and say, hey, does this even make sense? Like to some of us, that may actually sound good, but does that even make sense? Like having, and, and, I, and I don't want to use the Nipsey Hussle's death as a, to to, to preach a sermon or anything, but. I'm using this particular quote that he said to to drive a bigger point home because it got me really thinking but when I heard the quote having strong enemies is a blessing and and different things that I've heard like love hurts or pain is love like all of these different type of quotes that I've heard over the years from different celebrities that many people just take as truth I really started holding these type of quotes up to the Bible and what the Bible actually says like is having strong enemies really a blessing like is having to look over your back and watch over your back constantly is that really a blessing and the answer to that is no and listen I know we live in a society and a culture that says hey if you got haters that means you're doing something right I've heard many Celebrities say this, but here's the reality and what I've learned, whether or not you're doing the right thing or the wrong thing, there will always be somebody or, or, or people who don't like you, whether you're doing the right thing or the wrong thing. And so we as Christians have to make sure that God's word is, is the standard for our life. And we have to make sure that we are truly being led by his spirit and that we are submitting to the leading. Like for me, for us as Christians, like our blessings does don't come from having haters or enemies. And listen, I know our favorite celebrity preachers who have all of this wealth and fame, they tell us they preach these messages about you being blessed because you got haters and they they God is going to prepare a plate, a feast in the presence of your enemies and 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 they build you they they really are just preaching to your ego self-centered messages laced with scripture but really about your glory and not the glory of God but My us being blessed as Christians have nothing to do with our enemy, but everything to do with who Jesus is and what he did for us. And so I'm not blessed because I got enemies or an enemy or adversary. I'm blessed because I once was an enemy of God, but now I'm a child of God and I'm justified and saved by the precious blood of Jesus. That's why we're blessed. And so I begin to think about this and think of other things that I hear the world say. That may sound good to the majority of society, but literally does not make biblical sense or is completely false. And so I begin to think of. The, the, the statement that I shared on Facebook, I asked the question on Facebook, is love painful? And I asked that question because I've heard things like love hurts. Love is pain. Pain is love. And I've heard different celebrities and singers, rappers and just different uh, celebrities say things like this. And I see how people just eat it up. And so I I, I want to share with you guys a few of the responses to the post. So I asked again, I asked the question, is love painful? And I think this is a a relevant topic given the first segment I really dealt with how to walk in forgiveness but one of my facebook friends responded and said hold on one second cuz i got some i got specific responses i want to read for you guys i thought it was pretty cool one of my facebook friends said pain is what makes love what it is wow is that true Pain is what makes love what it is. Another one of my Facebook friends said, I would say yes. Only in a sense of having to love people, even when they treat us poorly. Or having to make tough decisions out of love. Sometimes doing the right thing does not always feel good, but we do it because it's right. Hmm. I, I really like that response. Um... My sister, Rosalind Mitchell, Matt's wife, says it was painful for Jesus, for sure. And that was her response. I love that response. Another one of my Facebook friends said it can be because true love is denying yourself to serve someone else. I really love that response. That's straight to the point And and that's more along the lines of what I was thinking when I asked this question. My brother meets real and and I'm saying his name because I'm sure he doesn't mind. He listens to the show. Make sure you check out my brother meets his podcast live with meets real. But meets gave a pretty dope response. He said, this is a loaded question because the world shows love as pain, but in a perverted way, like fighting drama, cheating breaking windows going through phones so on and so forth so many stay and accept dysfunction for these reasons that's very interesting he goes on to say now I'll say love is painful to the flesh because of sacrifice humility and forgiveness and that's because our flesh is selfish the pain that real love may produce." It, it completely contradicts emotion. It's not related to only the physical. That's a very, very dope point from my brother Meach. I think that's a dope uh, response. But as I begin to read through some of these statements, I really begin to think, what does the Bible say about love? How are we to think about love? And one of the first things that I realized and and I I remember hearing this during a marriage seminar that my wife and I attended. And this like really helped change my whole uh, perspective concerning how I was looking at love. Uh, Bishop Shelby said it. We were in a marriage ceremony with Bishop Shelby and he said, love is not an emotion. Love is a choice. And, and when he said that, it's like a light bulb went off because it's so true. Like, it's dangerous if we if we define love by our emotions. And the reason why it's dangerous to, to define love by emotions is because our emotions change. Like when me and my wife have have a disagreement or a strong disagreement, I, I don't necessarily feel love in the moments of conflict, <laughs> but the Bible says be angry and sin not. And so I have to choose love. Like my actions have to come in into subjection to what love is, despite how I feel. See, love is what causes us to swallow our pride and admit when we are wrong. Love is what causes us to put others before ourselves. Love is what moves us to sacrifice ourselves for others, and so if if we're defining love by our emotions, one one day you you can be head over heels in love with somebody, and the next day you you like ah I don't feel like I used to feel about about her, or I don't feel feel like I how I used to feel about him. You know this is this is why we see all uh, so many celebrities in Hollywood they're on their third or fourth marriage, like they change partners, like outfits almost, because because to them, love is an emotion and not a choice. One of the biggest mistakes that we make when it comes to love is thinking that love is defined by our emotions. It does not mean that emotions aren't involved in love, But love is truly a choice. Like when we look at the example of Jesus Christ or the example that God set for us. Like when we look at. John 316 for God so loved the world that he gave. So God didn't just say he loved us, but he actually did something to prove his love. Which goes right in line with the scripture that says faith without works is dead, which is James 2 26. Like, how can you say you love someone if there aren't actions to prove your profession of love? And so for God so loved the world that he proved it, that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And then I begin to think about what other scriptures of what the Bible says about love, like first Corinthians chapter 13, verse four through eight. It says love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. So in other words, you can't define love by these things. You can't see someone being jealous and say that's because of love, because that's not love. You can't see someone being arrogant or or boastful and say that is love, because that isn't love. It says love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful it does not rejoice at wrongdoing but rejoices with truth that's why okay I gotta stop right here this is why it doesn't make sense when homosexuals or the world says love is love like You can you can define love how you want to define love. No, the Bible says love rejoices, does not rejoice in wrongdoing, but love rejoices in truth. So if it glorifies sin and goes against God's word, you can't call it love. Love belongs to God. The Bible says God is love. So we can't take love and make it mean what we want it to mean. If God is love, it says, verse six, it says it does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Verse seven, love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Verse eight, love never ends. As for prophecies, they will pass away. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will pass away. And listen, some of us have been in relationships and some of us are even in relationships now where we're being abused, taken advantage of, misused and We accept this as love because we don't have an accurate view and understanding of God's love and how much he loves us and what he did for us. And so we accept. Things as love that isn't love, we accept what the world tells us love looks like. And we don't have an understanding of God's love. And so I think one of the mistakes that we make as a, as a culture, and this is why it's, it's important for us as Christians not to be conformed to the world in, the, in their way of thinking, but to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. We have to make sure that we're renewing our minds through the word of God. I think we confuse being hurt by the ones we love or vice versa with love. When in actuality, no, it was just we were just hurt. That was hurt. That wasn't love. When I display selfishness, that isn't love. That's selfishness. When I display jealousy, that isn't love. That's jealousy. And so the Bible is very specific about what love is and what it says love is. And so we have to make sure that we are not taking our cues from the world and what they say love is. Um, I think that is one of the biggest things that we have to make sure that we're doing as Christians, because, again, the world has a way of romanticizing things that are actually foreign to God's will and taking things that God that belongs to God and redefining those things according to what they think and what they feel and not according to what God's word says so let me leave you with a few things and I'll I'll ask the question again is love painful and my response to this question is love does not cause pain but love will lead you to endure pain love will lead you to endure hardness first John chapter 4 verse 16 through 19 it says Because as he is, so also are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment. And whoever fears has not been perfected in love. We love because he first loved us. Us, I'm going to repeat verse 19 again. We love because he first loved us. And so, my brothers and sisters, love begins with knowing God and understanding his love. Listen, I want to encourage you guys to Write in prayer requests, questions, suggestions for future segments. Go to pathofrevelationnow.com. Check out what we got on the way. Our new project will be out the end of May, the beginning of June. So keep a lookout for that. Thank you guys for listening. And you have been tuned in to the Path of Revelation show. And this is where the culture... Meet Scripture.